Well, good morning. <laughs> oh, come on in to the service. It's good having you here. And for those that are watching us live stream, it's great to have you as well. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us what? And be glad in it. Yes. Got a couple of announcements for you this morning. And um, I... We have our newcomers luncheon right after church. If you signed up, if you didn't either, you can come. But uh, we have our newcomers luncheon. If you've been here at the church for about a year or less and you did not get, uh, have not been part of our newcomers luncheon, we have a lunch um, a little bit later, right after service. We're going to be back in Pastor Doug's Sunday school room, the uh, room in the back. Uh, we're going to be meeting there today. Uh, you're going to get a meal, and then you'll get an opportunity to meet with us, the uh, vocational elders here, the pastors, uh, Pastor Tim, Doug, and myself, and then the other elders as well, and some of the other leaders in our church as well. And you get an opportunity to just hear about our ministry, ask us questions. That's just a really informal time, um, but we would love to be able to have you there and to meet with you. So we're going to do that uh, right after service. Uh, we have new members class. Uh, for those that are signed up for the new members class, just meet with me quickly after service. I have to change the time next week. I um, made a huge mistake because next week, October 9th, is my son's birthday. Uh, yeah, and we're going to go out after church, and then out after church for my son's birthday. I can also be here to do newcomers, um, the new members class. So just meet with me after service, and then we'll come up with a different time for that. Um, there is a flyer that you should have on your seat. It will go through a number of the key announcements. The CareNet Banquet is on the 20th. Uh, we have uh, Believer's Baptism as well that we are going to be working through. And so um, there is a sign-up sheet outside. Um, Grief Share is, began this week, this past week, um, and they are going to also have Surviving the Holidays. Uh, Laura and Fran have Surviving the Holidays as well. Uh, that will be on November 15th. And I think that's it. Oh, next, uh, two Sundays from now, we're going to have the Hubbing Home Choir here. Uh, I would encourage you, if you do, if you have not signed up already for the email list, I would encourage you to sign up. You'll get prayer requests that will come through. If you have not signed up, just go out to the welcome table and just let them know that you wouldn't be put on the email list. And I think that's all that I have uh, for today. What I want to offer is some prayers. Um, for some of our people in our congregation. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you uh, for your amazing grace and your love and your favor. Thank you for your love that you work in us and through us. Thank you for your, your kindness and your grace and your presence here with us today. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this place and I pray that we would worship you well. Uh, Lord, I pray for um, those of our uh, congregation that are struggling, uh, Marty and, and Gary and, and Diana, Father, who are all battling uh, with health issues, Father, battling with cancer, Father. And I thank you that they're battling well, but I pray that you would be with them, be with their doctors and, and give them wisdom. Uh, Father, I pray for the Wagners as Hannah has triplets coming here, and we pray for... Um, uh, a beautiful blessing and a bountiful blessing there, Father. And I pray for um, 
restoration and I pray for strength as she, as she goes through this pregnancy. Uh, Father, I pray for Ray helping and um, Father, he had surgery, heart surgery just this week. And Lord, I, I thank you that um, he successfully went through the surgery. But as, as some of us from this congregation know, heart surgery is not easy and the recovery time can take a while. So I pray for him. I pray for healing for his body. I pray for Kathy as she's there to support him. And Lord, I pray for our, our church. Father, we are living in such crazy times, and, and there's so many people that wonder whether life matters, does anything matter, and I pray uh, that the service today will show that life does matter, and that you do matter. I pray that as we begin this service, and as we begin the service in song, Father, help us to sing well as we, as we hear your word from Pastor Doug, as we have this new sermon series, Father, on Ecclesiastes. I pray for my brother that you would speak in him and through him, and I pray that we would hear from you, and help us to bring glory, honor, and majesty to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Oh, every knee will bow before him. 
Yes, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Who can stop the Lord? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? And who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? His plans prevail. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Who can stop the Lord? Our God is a lion. And our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before him. And our God is the lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the lion. bow before him. Yes, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. He is Lord of Lord, King of King. Don't lose heart, oh my soul. Listen, here we go. Oh, don't lose heart, oh my soul, oh my soul. No, don't give up. There is hope, there is always hope. Yes, there's always hope. And there is peace in the storm in the storm no don't forget he is lord he is lord of all yes he's lord of all there's a king there is a king of glory there is a god who saves one who is strong and mighty freedom is in his name so open the gates of heaven Lift up a shout of praise. There is a lion roaring. Jesus, the King of glory. So lift your eyes. Stand in awe. Stand in awe. There is one, only one, where my help comes from. Yes, there's only one. There is a King of glory, there is a God who saves, one who is strong and mighty, freedom is in his name, so open the gates of heaven, lift up a shout of praise, 
Nations bow down. Nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name. Over all, Jesus reigns. Yes, He reigns. Nations bow. Nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name. Over all, Jesus reigns. Yes, we know. Yes, there is a king of glory, strong and mighty to save. We're breaking chains this morning, opening hearts, opening lives. Yes, we praise you, Lord. We praise the king of glory. There is a king of glory. There is a God who saves, one who is strong and mighty. Freedom is in his name. So Open the gates of heaven, lift up a shout of praise. There is a lion roaring, Jesus the King of glory. Yes, there is. There is a lion roaring, Jesus the King of glory. We praise you, God. We glorify you and you alone this morning. And what can I do? 
but offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. So I'll walk upon salvation, your spirit alive. Yes, you're living through me, Lord. This life to declare your promise, my soul now to stand. So what can I say? So what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. We offer our hearts, Lord, completely to you. So what can I say? And what can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. We offer our hearts, Lord. We offer our hearts. You made promises to us. Our salvation is secure. Things so I'll stand with arms high. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. We're in awe of the one who gave it all. And I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I am is yours. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. We're in awe of the one who gave it all. And I'll stand my soul to you, surrendered all. I am is yours. So I'll stand. So I'll stand with arms high. Of the one who gave it all, and I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrender all, and I am is yours, so I'll stand, so I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. We're in awe of the one who gave it all, I'll stand. the one who gave it all and I'll stand my soul Lord to you surrender all I am is yours so what can I say
what can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. So what can I say? So what can I say? What can I do? And what can I do? We offer our hearts. We offer the heart of God completely to you. You know, maybe this morning as we sing these songs. I sometimes you look around at the people around you and you go, wow, they really believe this, don't they? Um, they're really singing their hearts out. And maybe part of the reason why, like me sometimes, maybe you're skeptical or, or critical or uh, how can people appraise God in a world like this or how can people praise God with circumstances like this or they don't know the circumstances I'm in. They don't understand, you know, how can I actually be happy, you know, in light of what's going on in my life. The next song we're going to sing is new. Probably a lot of you know it. It's called Waymaker. And, um, you know, it's a song that speaks to that concept of there was no way for us to come to Christ. There wasn't a way for us to come before God, right? No possible way. Our sin was too heavy, too dark, you know. And then Jesus came and died for our sins on the cross. And there now is a way. So when we sing the chorus of this song, you know, he's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's light in the darkness. We're singing, that's who, we're going to sing, that is who you are. When we sing that, sing that to him. That's who you are. We're proclaiming these things, you know, about him. I want to read to you from uh, Ephesians 2. This kind of goes hand in hand with what we're going to sing here. So Ephesians 2, uh, 4 and following says, <clears throat> excuse me. But God, rich in mercy, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were dead. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. <laughs> Does that not blow you away? Like we were dead. Christ's dead. He makes Christ alive. We, as Christians, are also alive alongside him. And then it goes on to say, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I can go on and on, but essentially the promise is this. You were this. You were dead. You were. There's no way. Nobody can raise himself from the dead. But God, rich in mercy, made a way. He is the way maker for us this morning. Let's keep singing.
Let's sing. You are here, moving in our midst. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Sing that again. You are here. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. Yes, Lord. I worship you. You're the way maker. And you are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Sing that again. You are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. Yes, we believe. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You. I worship you. Yes, we worship you, Lord. You are here, mending every heart. And I worship you, yeah. And I worship you. Miracle worker, 
When there was no way, you made a way. Great mercy given to us, even when I don't see. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you're the way maker. A way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. 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 Yes, God, we offer our lives to you this morning. We offer our praise. We give you glory and honor. You are the way maker. You're the light in the darkness, Lord. You're healing hearts, you're changing lives. And man, even when we don't see it, even when I don't feel it, we know that you are working, Lord. Maybe we came in this morning, Lord, with an attitude of, all right, let's see what God can do today. <laughs> don't tempt him. <laughs> He'll do something incredible. God, would you do something incredible through Pastor Doug this morning? Through your word, God. Through these ancient texts, ancient words that speak truth to us today, God. God, we thank you for this time of worship. God, we thank you we can glorify you together, honor your name together, praise you together. We ask now that you help us to hear together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated.
Well, good morning. Worship team, again, thank you for leading us out. If you have your Bibles, uh, I ask you to turn over to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 in our time together this morning. Life is raw, isn't it? Sickness, injustice, monotony, natural disasters, wars, pain, death, and on and on we can go. All you have to do is look around and you see these kinds of issues. The um, skeptic philosophers of yesteryear and today understood these things. They, they understood that life was raw. The, the problem was they never had the right answers. Let me, let me just read for you a couple philosophers from the past, and we do a lot of them, I'll just choose two. This comes from a Robert Ingersoll, um, no friend of grace, atheist philosopher. He stood at his brother's funeral in 1879, and just one part of what he said, listen to his explanation for the world in which we live. He's speaking here of his brother. He, his, his brother, believed that happiness was the only good, reason the only torch, justice the only worship, humanity the only religion, and love the only priest. He added to the sum of human joy, and were everyone to whom he did loving service to bring a blossom to his grave, he would sleep tonight beneath a wilderness of flowers. Life is a narrow veil between the cold and barren peaks of two eternities. We strive in vain to look beyond the heights. We cry aloud, and the only answer is the echo of our wailing cry. Now, that's a great way to live. That's a great way to go to your grave. Another atheist, Bertrand Russell, said it this way. We stand on the shore of an ocean, crying to the night and the emptiness. Sometimes a voice answers out of the darkness, but it is only the voice of someone who is drowning. And in a moment, the silence returns. The world seems to me quite dreadful. The unhappiness of most people is very great. And I often wonder how they all endure it. To know people well is to know their tragedy. It is usually the central thing about which their lives are built. And I suppose if they did not live most of the time in the things of the moment, they would not be able to go on. He certainly has a pulse for life and the problems, doesn't he? But he has absolutely no answer. And one more, a poet, Phil Larkin, said it this way. Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. 
get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. They, they certainly see life as being raw. But there's got to be a better answer than that. The beauty of the scriptures is the scripture never downplays the rawness of life, does it? Rather, it gives us answers to that rawness. And so what I want to do, and oh yeah, you can see here, you're probably wondering, what's up with the guy with the rock on the, on, on the left side there? Um, just, just to, this comes out of Greek, Greek mythology, uh, Sisyphus, do you, you, know, do you know the name? The founder of Corinth cheated out death twice and Hades got upset with him. So for all eternity, he rolls a rock up the hill and it falls back down. He rolls it back up, it falls back down. And it's just pure monotony for eternity for this guy. And of course, the guy on the right, that's us. Do you feel like that sometimes? You get up about the same time every morning, run into the traffic, same traffic jam on your way to work each day, go to work, do the same kind of things, come home, eat the similar kinds of food, watch the same TV program, go to bed and do it all over again. Do you feel that way sometimes? I, I mean, these are images from ancient and present. And we all, when we see it, we go like, yeah, I can kind of relate to that. The Bible speaks to these issues. And what I want to do, um, I want to kind of talk our way through the book, kind of j just generally real quick, real quick, not to bore you, but just kind of give you the big picture. Um, and then I want to come in, I really want to focus in on just the first 11 verses of chapter one and our time together and, and explain a couple things to you as we work through it. Um, Here's one of the things, and so as I, as I set it up there, actually sometimes it's, it's easier for me to look over here. Um, what you're going to find is you're going to kind of have this introduction, just one verse, you know, and here you find it in verse one. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. All right. Now, for most of church history, everybody think that that was just talking about Solomon. And honestly, that's still where I lean on this one, okay? But others just say, well, maybe it's somebody kind of using the name of Solomon. Maybe they're a descendant of Solomon. And they have some reasons for that. Um, but, but still at the end of the day, I still lean to the fact that it's probably talking about Solomon. But you have somebody kind of introducing him. Do you see that? And, and, then, and then you have this thesis statement that's made right at the beginning here in verse 2, meaninglessness, meaninglessness, I'm reading from the NIV, I don't know what your translation is, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Well, that's a real nice way to kind of start things out, like bummer of bummers or something, right? I mean, just, just real negative there. And then that kind of launches them into this discussion by the teacher, We'll call him the teacher or the preacher. He's called different things. And that works all the way down. If you have your Bibles and you go all the way over to chapter 12, verse 8, listen to what 12, 8 says. Meaninglessness, meaninglessness, says the teacher. 
everything is meaningless. Do you see how he's capping the whole book? I'm going to talk to you about Solomon or this character like Solomon. And then here's the thesis. Life is empty. Life is vain. Life is meaningless. Whatever. Then he kind of goes through this autobiographical section where he's giving advice and sharing his experience and kind of works through that. Comes to the end. He makes the thesis statement again. And then it's like the narrator who introduced him steps back into the story at the very end of the book and says, let me just tell you how to ultimately go away and live your life. Right? And he's going to say, fear God and keep his commandments. You're kind of familiar with that. So that's kind of how the book develops. Now, um, how do I say this? This is not an easy book to preach. Okay? Because there's a lot of really hard things in this book. Um, it's part of what we call wisdom literature. Right? So I love the Proverbs. General principles for life. Don't you? If you live a good life, you're going to have, it, life will go well for you. If you're wicked, you're going to have problems. And you go like, hey, I like that. General principles for life, really, really good. But the problem is we often live in the exceptions. Don't we? And you go like, trying to walk with the Lord and this is happening. Like, what's, what's going on here? And a book like Job in a story format, or a book like Ecclesiastes, in much more of kind of a lecture philosophical format, talks about the exceptions. So where, where life doesn't quite make sense. And to help you as you're reading, because there's verses you're going to read in Ecclesiastes, you're going to say like, what is that talking about? Christians shouldn't say that. A couple things you need to know as you read the book. Solomon, or the preacher, the teacher, whoever he might be, but I think it's Solomon. When he writes, there are times when he's writing out of his experience. And, and you know sometimes when you write out of your experience, you say things that you might not quite as precise if you could go back and qualify them. Because you're talking about how you're feeling and how, what, what you're seeing. So there's some limitations because at times he speaks that way. He's sharing his heart, do you see? And then he's also speaking as a wise teacher. So he's inserting things along the way that are, is really good advice for how to live in the midst of this mess, which he's experiencing in all of its rawness. But here's the problem. He does all of this as the scripture says 29 times in this book under the sun. Solomon is purposely limiting himself not to give us all kinds of divine revelation like a prophet does, but to speak to us as a sage or as a wise man and what he observes. And he's trying to make sense of what he observes. And sometimes he speaks out of his experience and sometimes he inserts wisdom in the process. And we're often saying, hey, you ought to say a little bit more like they do in the Psalms. Or maybe get a few more of those Proverbs in there. But he's saying, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to do all that. Or, hey, why don't you like ask for a prophet to speak right about this time? He's going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm trying to communicate to people who are living life in the raw. Or as Chuck Swindoll says, living life on the ragged edge. You know, they're, they're there. And so he's going to enter that world to experience what they experience. And he, under the sun, he's not going to go any farther than what he can observe. Because he can't see eternity. He's never seen it. So he's not going to talk about it in that sense. And so he's limiting himself. There's another reason he's limited, and we sang about it all today. The writer, the preacher, never knew precisely about the wonders of the coming of of Jesus Christ. You and I, as we read Ecclesiastes, we know where the story ultimately goes. And so there's all kinds of limitations on this writer as he writes. He writes under the sun purposely from a creaturely perspective as a wise man, but also speaking out of his experience. He will talk about God. Um, And one of the challenges here is like, as I'm preaching today, I'm going to put an addendum onto this one because if I ended right where he ended, people will go out of here and say like, man, life is really crummy. Why live? Okay. And I don't want you to do that. I mean, if we had time, we could read through the whole book where he makes his insertions about God throughout the book and then has this crescendo at the back. But like, I'm only doing the first 11 verses and there's just really nothing real positive there because he's trying to enter into the experience of where people live. Do you see? And so that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to talk through what the preacher says here. And, and, and to the point where I'm hoping as you hear it, you go like, yep. Yep. I felt like that one. Mm-hmm. You see? Because that's part of what he's trying to do in the book. So, pop over here and not spend much time on this, but maybe it will help you. This word where he talks about uh, it's vanity of vanities or meaninglessness of meaninglessnesses, whatever, however you want to translate it, utter meaninglessness, whatever, is a really hard word to translate. It literally means breath. You know what happens in the wintertime? You go outside, and I used to love to do this as a kid. Go out there and I go, what happens? Man, it is gone before you, you try to grab it. You can't grab it, and it's gone. And literally, you could say, he's saying here, breath of breaths. Life is but a breath or a vapor. James kind of picks up on that, doesn't he? And so, 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 so what does he mean by it? And I just want to hit these things. Watch as we're working through these series, how this comes up again and again. When he uses the word vanity, uh, meaninglessness, I'm not sure NIB uses it, might not be the best, but, but it is part of it. Three things he's saying. And just watch this as we work through the series. Life is futile. And, and what he means by that is, there doesn't seem to be any real meaning or significance to what I do. 
So he will explore with all kinds of things, being successful and powerful and going after pleasure, and you name it, he does it. And he keeps coming back saying, it's empty. If, if it's for that alone, if it's me and that, it's completely empty. It's futile. It's meaningless. Sometimes he'll say life is fleeting. I mean, just about the time you think things are going pretty good, you retire, and soon afterwards, you die. And, and many die earlier than you think they should die. And all those kinds of things, he enters in, he says, life is so fleeting. And thirdly, he says, life is a complete puzzle. It's an enigma. It doesn't make sense. I look around and I say, that's a good person. Why do they die early? That's a wicked person and they live to be 98. Proverbs didn't say that, did it? Life is a puzzle. Life often doesn't seem to have any meaning. And it's here today and gone tomorrow. It's a real positive message, isn't it? However, haven't you ever felt that way? We live in a world around us that that's where they live. They have little hope. This, this passage is not just for us. We can use it evangelistically with others. The Bible puts its finger right on our experiences and how we feel and the limitation of our horizon. And in the midst of all that, the gospel will call us. But don't, we don't want to get there too quickly. So, what's he say? Um, pop here. Yeah, okay. In, in verses um, 3 through 11, after he's made his general statement about, about vanity of vanities and, and all these things, he says, so he says, I want you to take that template and I want you to run it through the whole book with me because I'm going to say it to you again at the end. Life is often futile, it's fleeting, and it's puzzling, okay? In verses 3 to 11, he's going to make a couple comments. He's going to start by saying this. He starts with a question and then he's going to give us an answer. And the answer is going to kind of have two parts to it. It's going to talk both about nature and history. All right? So I'll just leave that up there in case you get lost along the way. You can keep popping up there and say, oh, that's where Pink Planet is. Try to figure it out. But here's his question, which, which gave me the title for t today's message. Does life matter? Is there any gain to it? Well, listen to what he says in verse 3. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? So if I start a business and um, it's going along relatively well, sort of, come to the end of the year because I have to get taxed and I start to realize, no, wait, I put... Uh, I don't know. I put 20,000 bucks into this. No, no, no. I put 100,000 into it. Nah, I put 500,000 into it. Let's go big. Um, but by the time I've paid for equipment 
and other expenses and employees, etc., etc. Um, I don't have anything left. Like zero. And and part of what he's going to argue here is go ahead and live your whole life as, as, as if it's a business venture. And for many people, when they get to the end, it's zero. So is there any profit? His argument is going to be like, not really. Now, and again, and again, please understand. Understand his limitations. He's speaking based on his experience and what he observes as a wise man. Do you see? And, and so he's saying, when it's all said and done, is there really much gain here? And his argument's going to be, um, nature and history teach us that we do not gain permanence or significance. So he says in verse 4. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. He's going to say, um, I, 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 I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard people talk about like, oh, oh boy, this person who passed away, they're so significant, they'll never be forgotten. And within 10, 15 years, I'm thinking political figures, most people don't even know what their name was. You know? It's just, they, generations come and generations go, and you kind of feel sometimes like you're just all kind of part of this ongoing process. I, 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 that what really struck me, and you probably all have heard it, Old Man River. You know the song, Old Man River? Uh, I don't know why, but it was my dad's favorite song. He's with the, been with the Lord now for quite a while, but he, he used to, he, he could not carry a tune um, at all. And, and sometimes we would ask him, Hey dad, would you sing a song for us for fun? And he'd say, yeah, I'll sing old man river. And that's what he'd sing. So I've heard old man river a lot of times. However, listen to just one section from this song. And it's, it's, it's slung, it's sung within the story itself about the experience of slaves. But listen, listen to what he says. Old man river just keeps rolling along. You and me, we sweat and strain, body all aching and racked with pain. Tote that barge, lift that bale, get a little drunk, and you land in jail. I get weary. Yes, I am sick of trying. I'm tired of living, and I'm afraid of dying. But old man River, he just keeps rolling along. Did you ever feel that way? Life just keeps going, and Finkbeiner comes into it on his little uh, merry-go-round, whatever, or rat, whatever you want to do. Either one's fine. You want to do it this way or that way, whatever. And does his thing for a period of time, and then he exits. So listen to what he says about nature. And again, he's speaking based on his experience that he sees in his life here, okay? We know we know there's more to add to it, but nonetheless, that, that's what he's saying. Listen to what he says, verse 5. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. Literally in the, in the Hebrew, that term hurries back is often translated, it pants because it's so tired. 
And it's almost like the sun is running this course and gets to the end of the day and it's just like, man, I need a break. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it, pan, it hurries back. And life, life, even for the sun, the way he portrays it, is, is hard. The wind blows to the south, sorry, blows to the south, turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. He says, you know when I look around at the wind? Just kind of keeps going. It's like old man river, right? Just kind of keeps going. Verse 7. All streams flow into the sea. Yet the sea is never full. To the place the stream comes from, there they return again. He says, I don't know. Wouldn't you think if water comes, ends up in like the Dead Sea, that thing would eventually, you know, go over the banks or something. I mean, he's just looking at experience. And we know, yeah, but there's, we, have, we know how the cycles work. But he's just looking, he's just saying, it goes in, it never gets filled up, it never gets satisfied, it never, whatever. The wind just goes around, the sun just goes around, water just goes down, and then it goes down again, and it goes down again, nothing really seems to happen. And that's just kind of the way life works. See what he's doing? A little bit disheartening, isn't it? A little discouraging. But he's saying that, that that's what I see in nature. Verse 8: all things are wearisome. If I'm looking under the sun as a creature, and that's how I'm coming at all this, I'm saying, it's such a burden. It seems to be a burden for nature itself, which is interesting because Paul will tell us in Romans 8 that nature itself groans, doesn't he? But anyway, he just says, even nature itself seems to be doing this. All things are, are, are wearisome. More than one can say. And, or you could just translate that. There's not much to say to add to this. The, the, the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear, it's fill of hearing. So he says, I watch all this. Generations come, generations go. Finkbinder's here today, gone tomorrow. And while he's here, he has no full explanations for the whole thing. Tries to make sense of it, tries to put things together, thinks this, that, maybe that's happening because of this. I don't, I don't know. I don't finish what I start. I just, Solomon says, that's, that's how I feel. He says, history's no better. If you, you don't look at nature, look at history. Look what he says in verse 9. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. Now, let me tell you what I don't think he's saying. He's not arguing that there's no such thing as inventions or technology advancements, okay? But what he's saying is the building blocks of life itself. People will continue to be born and they will continue to die. People will get married, some will, some won't. 
There will be natural disasters coming. There will be wars coming. And when you think there won't be any more, there comes another one. In other words, you come in and yes, you make some kind of advancement, but the world is still messed up. And it just keeps going around and you know, you're just a cog in a wheel sometimes. That's the way you feel. I'm going to come up with something brand new that's going to change the whole trajectory of history. No, no, yeah. Hey, you, 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 you probably won't. Solomon says, that's been my experience. As I look around, that's, that's, that's what I see. Verse 11. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow after them. He says, look. Can you remember the politicians that were the mayor or the governor of your state 30, 40 years ago? There's a couple buffs in here that probably can. Okay. But for most of us, no. He's saying, when you leave, it'll be the same way. I I don't know why I remember this. I I just, I just, it's just one of the things I remember. I remember when Ted Kennedy, who was a senator from Massachusetts. And if you're a younger person, you probably don't even know who I'm talking about. Okay. That's how quickly this stuff happens. I remember when he passed away and somebody came up and said he was the lion of the Senate. And there's all kinds of things we could say about Ted Kennedy. Okay. So I won't, I'll watch myself, but, but nonetheless, he was the lion of the Senate and his investment will be, people will always remember. How often do you hear Ted Kennedy's name now? You know? And he's saying, look back to those people before you. You can't even remember them. Guess what? When you leave, it's going to be the same way in time. Now, your family will remember you. Fair enough. But for most people, many people will forget your name. Some people say one day, what was that preacher's name at the chapel? I don't know. It was a weird last name. That's all I remember. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this is the way it's going to be. I, you know, I... I there's a level of truth to all that. And so he, he, he works through all this. And, and he basically says, you can see there at the top. If all you do is live life under the sun, you're bound by what you can see and observe. Okay? So, so God, for most, are, isn't even included in the picture. Maybe he dips in from time to time. But it's life under the sun. We never finish. We quickly leave. And we are soon forgotten. Look at nature. Look at history. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What if... What if the God who is above creation who is not under the sun, he's above the sun. He's the creator. What if he would come into our world? Oh, and he's been involved providentially in all kinds of ways through through biblical history. But what if he actually became one of us? Could that change anything in this whole mix? And I would argue... That it's one thing to live under the sun, S-U-N. It's something quite different to live under the sun, S-O-N. Because 
all of a sudden, God the Son has become one of us. Walked our path, suffered with us, felt the pain and empathy toward, toward humans as a human. He was the God man, but he was human, 100% human. And then died on the cross for our sins and resurrected. He's the king of kings, Lord and Lord's coming back. Does that make any difference? I tell you folks, that completely turns everything on its head. And so just a couple quick points. Christ is the redeemer of creation and the fulfillment of history. Yes, is it true we know in Romans 8, the whole creation groans, but it groans for the redemption of God's people. Because the God who redeems us is the God who will one day redeem all of creation. Does history feel so often like it's just a cycle? We just go round and round and round and round and round and round and round. You come in, you get spit out and everything goes. Yes, it feels like, doesn't it? But it's not true. In the gospel, life is always going somewhere. It's going to Christ in the Old Testament. It's going to a second coming if you're in the New Testament. Life is, it's linear, it's telic, it's, it's purposeful, it's moving somewhere. And nature will be redeemed. So Solomon is not wrong as he speaks about his experience and all of his limitations, is he? He's just saying, look, this is what I see. And I go like, I, I completely get it. I feel that way too. However, with the fullness of God's revelation who has spoken to us in a final way in his son, everything gets turned on its head. And life is not this, whichever way you want to do it, okay? Life is this. Secondly, while there's no lasting gain apart from Christ, there is great gain with Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 16, what will it profit? Interesting. What will it profit a man? Takes you right back to this question. Is there any profit for, for all the toil we go through? Jesus says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? If your profit is bound up in you and what you can accomplish here and now, it's a zero. But he who loses his life for my sake will gain it. You see, the gospel brings us hope. Can you imagine if we had no gospel, what, how would you live life? Get all the gusto you can, use people, abuse them, whatever, and then die. But the gospel comes in and says, you may feel that way as you look around the world, but God is up to something. And lastly, our labor in Christ is never in vain. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul will talk about the resurrection. Now, he will say this. If there's no resurrection, everything we do is vain. Because it's a lie. It's a myth. It's not even true. But Paul says the resurrection is true of Jesus Christ. 
which means your resurrection is also true. Therefore, my beloved brethren, what I want you to do is I want you to, to work hard for God because nothing you do will be forgotten by him. So we labor with great passion because God sees what we get in Jesus Christ is a view of eternity of, in all of its fullness. What I love about the book of Ecclesiastes, it helps us to feel life in the raw, which is what we often feel. And what so many people only live. And we come and we tell them, yes, life is hard. Yes, there's things we have no answers to. But we tell them this at the end of the day, that life under the sun, S-O-N, does matter. Since life under the S-U-N is filled with emptiness and frustration, live life under the sun in whom is found true and eternal significance. The book of Ecclesiastes, I don't want to run to the gospel too quickly because I want to feel life for what it is. But I do want to run to the gospel. And so the question is, will you live under the S-U-N or under the S-O-N? And if you know him, I'm not saying life is easy. I'm saying life is good because God is there. And he sent his son. So I'm not minimizing the pain. We're going to see over these next couple of weeks, we're going to see a lot of pain and frustration. And if there is no gospel, there's no way out. We might as well just go with Bertrand Russell. I, I, I was with a, um, well, t Tim and James would know this. You, you might not, but when a, one of the great um, homileticians of the last 50 years is a man named Haddon Robinson. And, and our guys, guys would know this. He's with the Lord now. And he, uh, I, I'd, I'd studied under him uh, when he was at Denver Seminary. Anyway, um, toward the end of his life, he was actually in a retirement community um, right out in the Lancaster area. So I told one of my friends, let's, let's go visit him, you know, try to encourage him and talk with him. And we, had a, we had a wonderful time. And it was just, wasn't too long after that, that, he, that within a, I don't know, it was a year or two after that, that he, he passed away. An older gentleman. And, 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 and if you were in homiletical circles at all, he, you'd bring him in to speak. And he's written several books and very, very popular. And I'll never forget this. In our conversation, he looked at me at one point and he said, you know, Doug, it's amazing to me how quickly people forget you. And that just, just grabbed me. And I thought, if Haddon Robinson says that, what hope is there for Doug Finkbeiner? My hope is in the gospel. For he remembers. He knows. He loves me. And at the end of the day, that's enough. Father, we thank you that you have talked and had writers in the scripture, in the inspired scripture itself, talk to us about life in the raw, 
with all of its pain and sorrow and ruggedness, all of it, Lord. Father, thank you for that. Because so often that's where we live. I pray you would do your good work in our hearts. And for those that might be here who don't know Jesus Christ, may they realize that the only way to live is life under the S-O-N, Son, Jesus Christ. Father, for us as believers, will you remind us afresh of what we do know and what will not change? And even more than that, who we know, you through Jesus Christ, because that will get us through whatever we experience in life. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see now I'm laying it down and I know that I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding the reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again oh, 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 oh. you saw my condition had a plan from the start your son for redemption for my heart I don't have a contest for that kind of love I don't understand I can't comprehend all I know is I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace Your 
sight long before my first breath running into your arms is running to life from death and I feel this rush deep in my chest your mercy is calling out just as I My soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again. Again and again, and again and again. Oh, 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 again and again. Yes, God, we will run to you again and again. Lord, we understand life does matter. You've given us life. You've given us life, not lice. Hopefully not. <laughs> and even if you did, <laughs> you're suffering over that too. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, though, that we can run to you again and again and again. You know, each of us are alive for a reason. We feel that inside of us. There's a purpose. Because otherwise, you look outside your window and you look at the stars spinning by and the fact they're on a big rock hurtling through space and you go like, what the heck are we doing here? <laughs> apart from you, Lord, apart from that built into our DNA that there's got to be a reason that I exist. There's got to be a reason I'm alive. I want to be alive. I don't want to be dead. If that's true, Lord, there has to be a, a goal. There has to be some design. There has to be something out there, Lord, a reason I am here. And the main reason I am here is to glorify you and to tell of your grace and your mercy the generations that come after me and generations before me too so that the entire story of the history of the earth is just about Jesus and Jesus alone and what God's mercy has done for us as my aunt used to say eternity's forever we have a little bit of time on our hamster wheels here on earth and we don't know how long that is but eternity is forever we want to be with you, Lord, and you want us to be with you. You want us to be praising you forevermore, God. Thank you that we can do that in a small way this morning, that we can sing and we can listen to your word. Now, Lord, help us to put those things into action and to put plans in place, Lord, and then really just to look at you because you are the way maker. We can make our plans, but you make the way. So, God, help us to follow behind you this week. Come what may. Thank you for this time, Lord. Be with us as we go from here. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Have a great week.